0: podcasting from Nashville, Tennessee. This is Keep Asking, the podcast that helps you dig deeper and wider into the research providing insights into today's church and culture. I'm here today with my colleague Scott McConnell and another one of our colleagues, Carol Pipes. Welcome back, Scott, and hello, Carol. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hello. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here.
0: Excellent. Carol, to kick off the podcast, tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and your role here at LifeWay.
1: All right. Uh, As you said, I am Carol Pipes. I am the Corporate Communications Director here at LifeWay. And I also serve as Editor-in-Chief of Facts and Trends, which is a magazine for church leaders that helps them navigate the issues and trends that are impacting the church. Ooh, that sounds impressive. Yes.
0: Scott, to just include you in and welcome. Tell our listeners a little bit about why Carol is important to LifeWay research.
2: Because data rarely speaks for itself. And uh, the communications team at LifeWay brings data to life and really applies it to ministry today and, and to a lot of congregations today as uh, they write news stories about LifeWay research studies, as well as incorporating it in Facts and Trends, uh, Facts and Trends Online, and uh, a lot of other outlets that that communicate what that data actually means.
0: Well, and I'll throw this out to Carol and Scott. You can jump in since it's also your podcast. <laughs> but uh, why use, when we're telling stories, I guess, Scott, why do we need to tell data? Why do we need to get it out there? And then, Carol, why do you care to get data in stories? And then I'll let y'all wrestle, jump in, wrestle verbally,
2: not physically.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think I can take Scott.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, data, you've got to tell the story because you've gone to the expense of collecting the data. data. Research is not cheap. Um, and and so you go to the trouble of doing that work to find out those facts. Why would you bury them? You know, they're they're a they're a little treasure that you want to share. You want to You want to give those out and and to to apply them to needs.
1: Well, and I would jump in and say that facts are important, especially for our readers um, who are church leaders, pastors, church staff, um, denominational leaders. Um, They're very interested in the way our culture is changing and how our demographics are changing here in the States and also globally, Um, what are changes in church practice, uh, things like that. And so data can really help our leaders in their ministry. So it doesn't necessarily drive ministry, but it can definitely help give some insight into the types of ministry and things that churches can be doing to um, reach people with the gospel.
0: Take us a little bit behind the magic curtain of the communications team. When you guys are sitting down and you're looking at, say, data we've given you for a story, how do you, when you're away from even the with research team, what do you start doing when you're looking at data and saying, you know, where's the story? What are we going to do? Right. What kind of questions do you ask?
1: Well, first of all, I would probably like to admit, that i am not a numbers person um i'm much more of a word person struggled all through school with math which um was probably pretty disappointing to my uh, father who is a aerospace engineer and wow. loves math problems oh my goodness so usually when i would go home and ask my dad for help with math um homework i usually wound up in tears <laughs> And as a joke, which my dad has a kind of a sick sense of humor, um, one year for Christmas, he gave me a book called Math With No Tears. So, yeah, Uh, that's that's
0: Math With No Tears. I I love that. Yeah.
1: So even still today, I hear numbers and sometimes, you know, start to have panic attacks. Um, No, just kidding. I I really um, have come to love numbers, especially working with the research team here at Lifeway and have discovered um, that I can really begin to understand numbers when I put a story with those numbers. So that's really what we try to do in the communications team is to look at the data that you guys have collected um, and think through how do we explain this to readers in such a way that they can not only grasp the understanding of the research, but actually take action. Mm -hmm. So that's something that's really important to us is not only giving the information, but what's what's the action that we want readers to take with those numbers. So
0: how do you, can you tell us a little bit more about that process or how you explore that? I mean, you you may be going from just a graph
1: or, yes, you
0: know, just a few numbers. Definitely. So how do you explore so, that
1: and get there? Let me give you an example. So in 2015, uh, Life We Research did a very in-depth study on mental health and the church. Mm-hmm. Um, a very important study and something that I think um, was really needed in today's culture, and um, we wanted to make sure that we gave good takeaway for our readers. So in addition to doing a release, because we work with Life Research, every time you do a study, we do a release of that um, as a news story that we send out to media, um, hopefully that they'll take and use and maybe write their own stories or use the story we've written. Um, and facts and trends, we wanted to go a little deeper with this particular story. So we started thinking about um, the numbers. For instance, one of the um, stats that you guys uh, revealed in your study was one in four pastors acknowledge they have personally struggled with mental illness such as depression. One in four, that's a pretty significant Mm -hmm. number. Um, And a lot of times when you hear numbers like that, you think, it, it's really hard to personalize it. So one of the things we try to do is personalize those numbers. So um, one of our writers knew, had a friend who is a pastor and knew that he had struggled with depression um, in his, early in his ministry. And so we reached out to him and asked him to write his story mm. of um, dealing with depression Um, what that meant for his ministry and um, his church that he was in at the time, and then um, talk about the healing process. And then what do other church leaders need to know about depression? How do they recognize it? How do they help others who are dealing with depression? So we really try to find – a personal story because it helps people relate better to the data
0: tell us a little bit about the power of story for people who are maybe just data minded mm. um, or you know they can take data and that's just they see the numbers and they really connect or maybe they're research people like us what what have you learned in in this communications world about the power of story
1: I think that story is impactful to everyone, Um, even people who are more numbers-driven. I think that that story is something that people relate to, whether they're a numbers person or a words person or a picture person, Um, that sort of thing. I mean, our lives are stories that – um interrelate with other people and so those stories help you interrelate with others i want to oh did you have something scott
2: so what makes a good story
1: oh that's a great question um i think that something that makes a great story is um conflict a lot of times makes a great story and then resolution of that conflict makes a great story.
2: Can can the resolution be kind of hanging like the reader or the person hearing the story is part of the resolution?
1: Oh, the yeah. The call to action? Oh, yeah. Definitely. Oh, yeah.
2: So a- as as one of our listeners who might be a ministry leader, they might be in a congregation as they're trying to think through, how do I tell a story when I see some stats? And so it's not just trivia when I throw it out there. Mm -hmm. Wow. Did you know that one out of four people do this? Right. Um, Are they trying to create conflict? What should really be the goal in their mind as they go to try to tell a story with data to bring data to a conversation with other ministry leaders?
1: I think the Big takeaway that you want someone um, to have when you're bringing them data is, well, what does this mean for me and my church? How should we respond to the fact that um, I think one of the other stats in that study was 65% of family members of those who have a mental illness say they want their church to talk openly about mental illness because it's been such a taboo topic. Um, I think when you bring a number like that, 65%, that's two-thirds of your congregation, is wanting you to talk about mental illness. Um, When we bring a number like that, we're hoping that that will open the eyes of Um, pastors and church leaders to say this is an important topic that we need to be discussing um, in our churches because there's great need there and when we were working on this particular study um, that number stood out to us that 65 Mm percent well who are those 65 percent of people um, who have family members that struggle with mental illness and we um found a woman who um, grew up with a mother with schizophrenia Mm. she grew up in church she's um, a strong christ follower today but she remembers what it was like growing up with a mother who had schizophrenia and the um just the shame that she felt because she just didn't feel like she could talk about it with her friends Um, and even though she was in church and her mother went to church she didn't want anyone to know that that was her mother because yeah. um, she never knew how her mother was going to act. Wow. Yeah. And so through her own experience, she was able to share through um, the printed word, through our magazine, how churches can respond to um, people who are um, experiencing mental illness either personally or in their family. And give some really great takeaway i really think that the numbers that um that we're providing in these stories should really point toward action
0: that's good i uh i like the segue there into uh, conflict and resolution mm-hmm. and so uh, one of the things that i i was thinking about was when you all uh, whether it's in that process of doing the research about a topic where the the numbers may come back um 45% of americans think this or 65% of churchgoers say this and it may not be something that we would necessarily in this room agree with mm. so yeah. how do y'all um how do y'all handle that and i want both of you to jump in when you're talking through okay we we've got this research and we're telling the story but it's you're not advocating that view right. or you're not condemning the view right. You're telling the story that this is the view right tell me a little bit about the challenge and maybe the fights that you guys get into
1: oh, when you're doing that story we don't get into fights
0: <laughs> which I is mean, a shame
1: i'm sure scott would agree with this the numbers don't lie right that's right <laughs> i facts, mean
2: facts speak for themselves
1: exactly so we are we are only the messengers but Certainly, you use. You know, there are
0: times when you feel like you've got to take a little extra caution, or, you know, Carol, as the what's what's your title again? Dr-
1: uh, Director of Corporate Communications at Lifeway. And that
0: means if someone's really mad about something at Lifeway, <laughs> aren't you? Doesn't that typically
1: trickle to you? Well, sometimes yes, it does. <laughs> so, so you try to. No be one careful. ever gets mad at Lifeway. Oh, Come I'm on. so
0: sorry. I just made that up. So so you just. Uh, You just tell it and you never think twice about if this could be a tricky topic.
1: No, we always think through tricky topics and think through how is the best way to present this. I mean, not that we would we're not trying to shape the numbers. Like I said, the numbers don't lie, lie. They speak for themselves. Um, But we do think through, Okay. how do we need to respond to these numbers that maybe um, are negative or show an attitude that we wouldn't necessarily um, promote as a Christian organization? Um, I mean, when you're asking Americans things about cultural issues, more and more Americans are um, answering in ways that we wouldn't necessarily – Um, agree with as a Christian, um, as believers, as Christ Mm -hmm. followers. So we do think through those um, tough topics and how we're going to present that information. Scott, jump in. Sorry, I'm talking away.
2: I I think, I mean, every writer has a perspective that they're coming from. Every researcher has a perspective they're coming from. But both of them to be responsible have to be objective in how they do their work. And so we're we're unapologetic that Lifeway Research is an evangelical research firm. Uh, The reason we ask some of the questions we do is because we care about topics that evangelicals want to know about. And so as we describe the culture, as we describe even things within the church, uh, sometimes the response to those questions is negative Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of an evangelical perspective. But we want to tell that story because that's the objective thing to do. And um, honestly, it's it's affirmative that we're doing that well when those with opposing viewpoints to evangelicals utilize that same data mm-hmm. because yeah. they're saying mm-hmm. that's objective, that's real.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: What do y'all have any pet peeves or tips? Maybe a more positive twist because Carol's a very positive person. Is going to put a positive twist on. <laughs> She's going to find the positive in anything, um, which is a lovely quality. It's true. It, it is true.
1: Yeah. I confess, I am like that. Yes, very positive. But do you,
0: so what, how would you positively exhort bloggers or people who are going to write about data um, or quote, you know, statistics? What are some tips you would give to writers who may not have the same training or experience as the folks on your team?
1: I would exhort them to look at the research in depth before they use it or quote from it and make sure that it comes from a trustworthy um, research firm or organization or whoever. Look and see who has done the research and how they've done the research. Look at the methodology. I'm sure Scott would agree with that. You want to look at the methodology. Look at the question that they asked to get to that final stat that they're um, that they're giving, um, because a lot of times you can tell a lot about um, the mindset of the researcher or the poll pollster um, based on how they frame the question. Mm-hmm. So you want to look at how the researcher has framed the question um, and just the trustworthiness of the source mm-hmm. and always make sure you use your source with stats. Yes. 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 Uh, It drives me crazy to see a stat without a source. Mm -hmm.
0: What's the danger there?
1: Well, I mean, you're throwing out something that you have no idea where that the reader has no idea where that came from. And a lot of times it can get twisted and used and um, bad stats uh, very quickly can get shared over and over and over again. Mm hmm.
0: Very good. Scott, do you have any pet peeves that you see when people are irresponsible with data and telling the story?
2: I would just underline something Carol just said, which is looking at the actual wording of the question. Even when I've written on our own research, I will often have to go back and reread it. And I have I have taken it, trying to take it to something actionable, something a conclusion. I've overstated what the question can actually state.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I've
2: I've taken the conclusion too far. Mm-hmm. And, and you gotta back up and say, no, they just, you know, they just said that that they agree they've seen it, not that they like it, or you know, just those little nuances from noticing something to liking something to wanting something, you know can be huge steps and so as we go to draw conclusions circle back double check the question are you are you taking it beyond what was actually asked.
0: Because I think it goes back to the reason you can count the reason a survey will work if you will is if it's a simple clear question and so it's measuring one thing so then once you try and load it up with other things you know Um, It ruins the question if you try and make it ask too much. So make sure you're not trying to make it imply too much.
1: Another pet peeve, and I'm sure that we've been guilty of this um, at Facts and Trends. I'd have to go back and look. Um, Would be somewhat like proof texting scripture, but proof texting a stat from a study where you go and you pull a stat from a study and use it to... um, Kind of undergird whatever argument you're trying to make um, and not pulling everything from the study that was found. Um, that happened with some library research that you guys did on um, the Johnson Amendment. Do you remember that?
2: Yeah, we asked several questions, and it was funny how people would just pick the one that agreed with their side of, of the issue. Yes. Whereas we had data uh, that really reflected multiple things going on with with Americans' attitudes toward that.
1: Exactly. So we would often see – so I have a –
0: I wish our listeners could see your face right now. If someone could get their camera out and take a photo, we could put it in the show notes. Just
1: having trouble finding my right I'm finding the right words. Finding your words. I have a service that we use in communications uh, to track any time um, Lifeway is mentioned in the news or Lifeway research is mentioned in the news um and that was one of the stories that we kept seeing was stories were stories that um, different media outlets were using about the Johnson Amendment. And we kept seeing many of them use the very same stat. And I can't remember it off the top of my head. Scott, do you remember it? You, you don't remember it. But it basically undergirded their um, the argument that they were trying to make that most people um, don't want politics in the pulpit, basically, is what that stat was. And so they were using that to say, we don't need to get rid of the Johnson Amendment because people don't want to hear politics from the pulpit. But that research also showed that people didn't want to get rid of the Johnson Amendment, right? Is that correct? I'm saying it wrong.
2: You're saying it wrong. Sorry. that, Uh that, That those within the church do want to get rid of the Johnson Amendment. So. So people were quoting the fact they didn't want the action that the Johnson Amendment prevented from happening. That's right. They didn't want churches involved in politics. But at the same time, uh, pastors were concerned that the Johnson Amendment limited their ability to preach on whatever God led them to preach. on.
1: That's it. That's right.
2: That piece was always left out. And so it, it left the impression that the church was totally against that amendment.
1: Right. Thank you for correcting me. So see, even I can misuse. Which is hard to believe
0: because just like, what's her name? The nanny, uh, the...
1: Oh, Mary Poppins. Mary
0: Poppins. You're practically perfect
1: in every way. Some people believe that.
0: Have you ever quoted it about yourself, Carol? Uh, Yes Yes or no? Uh, Yes, I have. It's (laughs) true. (laughs) (laughs) Any tips uh, on... um, visuals like using data and creating I know um, you guys that's something you spend a lot of time mm-hmm. thinking about we do and um, what's the importance of adding that element to a story and then what are you trying to think about when you're adding those visuals and telling the numbers with a picture
1: well I think with a visual you're trying to give a snapshot of the data um, something that people can recognize uh, right away um, whether it's you're trying to show a trend line or a difference in opinion on something, you can show that with um, bar graphs uh, and different types of charts. So it's a quick, a very quick snapshot. Um, obviously, it doesn't give the whole story, um, but it does give, I think, um, something that people will come away with because a lot of times people will rem- will remember images um, longer than they'll remember words.
0: Now, based on what you said right there, it would make me think that you'd be happy just taking one of our accurate charts that we give you in the PowerPoint report. <laughs> but that's not exactly what you do because I don't know that I ever see in the story one of our charts that we've handed you. Right. So we, what else are you trying to do? I'm so just curious.
1: I'm not A lot of times we will well, not a lot of times, every time we will take your charts and give those to um, our graphic designer um, so that she can take those and um, enhance them in such a way that they are appealing to the reader of that research.
0: So Scott, any so is there any conflict or tension as that happens? And I, these are probably two of the most amicable people on the planet, so I'm really not going to be able to get a good fight going today. Mm-hmm. But what are the things that you want people to think about when, you know, you can make a chart more attractive, <laughs> yes. but what are some of the danger zones? What are you looking at when you're looking at the charts? I know you're looking at more than just pretty colors and butterflies and all of that.
1: We don't use butterflies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you wouldn't be opposed to using right. a butterfly.
2: <laughs> Um, Again, you're often, you're, you're telling a story visually. And so you you want to make sure it's accurate to what the actual question was asked and and to the data points themselves. And so that that's usually the the main thing we check when we when we look over those is, you know, to to make it fit, to 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 make it look good. Some words may be tweaked. Did did that was the meaning changed? Was uh, does that still fit with what was asked? Mm -hmm.
0: I know Casey, our statistician, who can't be here today because he felt like it was more important and to I, be on vacation with his family. I
1: really wish he were here for this part of the yes. conversation because we do have some um, <laughs> tension sometimes with <laughs> our statistician <laughs> when he's... it comes to charts and graphs because we'll want to take something that um, is an interesting um, and image that helps get the general idea across. And Casey is such a stickler for accuracy that sometimes he um, pushes back on um, maybe the image that we might use with That particular stat,
0: because for him it's important, you know, if things are to scale, like you know, just because something's bigger, you know, (laughs) it may be, you know, it's the communications team is happy if something's, you know, little, big, bigger, biggest. Mm -hmm. In case he's like, but that's not ten percent to twenty five percent. It's not to scale, right? Yes. Yeah. Again, the riveting fights we have here in the <laughs> Insights Division at Lifeway, I'm just the underbelly, if you will, yes, of working exactly. out research stories. Yes,
1: well, but like, we work very well together, and um, I think usually can find some kind of compromise um, when working with the research team.
0: Well, and you guys do an excellent job, and you're also fun neighbors. Oh, so. thanks. To have on the floor well thanks everyone for listening if you have any questions please tweet to us at Esmacon, at carol pipes that's correct and at lazette tweets or at lifeway research carol how can people find out more and um, find out kind of what you all are writing about where are can they see some of your stories oh
1: yeah they should go online to facts and And they'll find all of our latest stories about LifeWay research, as well as other um, topics. Um, They'll also want to sign up for our Daily Insights e-newsletter. Yes, please do.
0: Please do. All right. So thanks again for listening and join us next time for another edition of Keep Asking. Keep asking, learn more, do better.